Hi, everyone. You're listening to Backstory. Let's hear it on WTBRFM Pittsville with Roberta McCulloch-Dews of the Mayor's Office in the city of Pittsville. Thanks for tuning in. So today we have with us Catherine Van Bramer. <laughs> and Catherine, um, first and foremost, is no stranger to Backstory. Um, Catherine um, is my colleague. I like to say she's my work sister um, in the mayor's office. And in the early days of Backstory, um, Catherine worked the boards. And so she actually was in the seat where I am, um, controlling the boards, making sure um, I kept on time. (laughs) And so um, I greatly appreciate um, the service that Catherine um, provided and helped me with. Um, But a little bit about Catherine, because she is an accomplished woman. So, like I said, she is the executive assistant to the mayor for the city of Pittsville. And while she assumed this role in 2016, Catherine is no newcomer to City Hall. She's worked for the city since 2010 after graduating from Westfield State College. Um, She has held positions in the city clerk's office um, and the conservation department. She was a part of the 2013 cohort for Lippy, um, which was run through the Women's Fund of Western Massachusetts. Um, she, listen, government is at the core of Catherine's interest. She is a member of the Ward 6 Democratic Committee since 2013, and she now serves as chair. And she is an alumna of the Berkshire Leadership Program's Class of 2014. And she went on to serve as vice chair and chair in subsequent years. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So we have with us a really great person. So welcome, Catherine. Thanks, Roberta, for having me today. Well, thank you. (laughs) Long time no see. I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's get into a little bit about your background. So you're born and raised in Pittsfield. Yes, born and raised in Pittsfield. I have, uh, I'm the oldest of three Mm -hmm. um, and grew up in this community, um, my family is pretty large on, yeah. on both sides of my family. My mm-hmm. um, mom has, um, there's four siblings all together, and then on my dad's side, it's seven. Wow. So lots of aunts and uncles in the area, lots wow. of cousins, lots of family, and it was always a part of um, my life in childhood growing up was lots of family always around. You know, I think for myself, like, I don't have, like, a big immediate family, and I was always in awe of people who had these big families because I always envisioned, like, you know, holidays being these spectacular events. Did you guys have family traditions that um, really helped seal your experience growing up? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things when my parents had um, myself and my sisters was trying to make it sort of that central place. Mm -hmm. Um, So everybody came over to our house growing up. Um, We would have Christmas, birthday celebrations, all the holidays um, where everyone would come over. And they made it easy for us Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, we had that one stop. We didn't have to go very far. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was definitely uh, a great uh, opportunity to be together with family, and it was always great because they were always around. Someone nice. always to you know help out where we needed or help, if we could help them. Um, but yeah, family family is always great. So, in addition to just your that that family experience, you know, one of the things that we've always talked about is just your school experience and you attended Conti, you attended Reed and you attended Taconic. 
And we've talked um, a little bit about how being exposed to people from different backgrounds at such an early age helped to, to shape you and shape your thinking. And so what was it about just growing up in this kind of environment? I think um, attending Patil Public Schools, um, you know, I can only speak from my experience, but um, attending Conti um, at a very young age, I I was exposed to people from all backgrounds, Mm -hmm. all cultures, um, which really was just something that was incorporated into my life early on. So I I know nothing else. Mm -hmm. um, And I have a natural curiosity to, like, learn about others and, Mm -hmm. and from their experiences and to hear about them. Um, so I think it just gives me a more worldly perspective, and in no way am I an expert right. in, in any of it. Um, but I think the more people have an opportunity to be outside of their own bubble mm-hmm. um, gives them a different perspective on, on the world at a, at a larger scale. That's very, that's true. Um, <clears throat> and I think what it is, it also, it normalizes things for you, too. And so it just becomes part of your being. Uh, so I think that's 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 key. I I just thought of something just in terms of that family, and that Van Bramer last name, because you're absolutely right. You know that your family is huge. Have you ever done any genealogy? I have. Um, one of my family members um, is very big into genealogy, mm-hmm. and during my when I graduated high school, she had gifted me a. Um, genealogy book Mm -hmm. this genealogy book traced back um my maternal grandfather um on his side of the family Mm -hmm. so the hayes side of the family Mm -hmm. um and it went back to like the 1800s wow um and so with that research i started with ancestry in building out that tree on both sides of my family and have been able to trace back about the third, fourth uh, great-grandparents, which has been really great journey to to go through and experience. What does that translate to, (laughs) third, fourth grandparents? What are we talking here? About the 1800s. So probably mid to late 1800s. I haven't been able yet to... Necessary, like because I have some roots from Scotland and Ireland mm-hmm. and Germany, I haven't been able to like trace it that far back yeah. yet. But definitely something that I love doing and love learning about. Um, That's so fascinating. Where my roots are and so from. I did, I did like ancestry DNA too, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, it was fascinating. I I don't have my results um, in front of me, but I can tell you that it's at like I was like thirty three percent Nigerian. I, <laughs> Where I'm 33% Scottish. <laughs> I I love it. I love it. There was actually like a little 3%, you know, Scottish there too. I think we do have that in common. We do. Um, all right. So genealogy aside, um, one of the things that I, you know, as kids, we always have that... Um, that dream profession and especially growing up in an environment where you see so many things you are influenced by so many people your family is large you're in this great environment where you see so many um, um, people and perspectives did you have an idea of what you wanted to be when you were a kid i did i think like a lot of people for, for me it was everybody in my family knew i wanted to go into law Okay. I wanted to be a lawyer. That was goal mm-hmm. day one. I mean, even starting in college, I became a political science major to go into that field of of law. 
Um, so that that was that sort of trajectory. But then I had an experience um, with an internship. Th- uh, senator Downing mm-hmm. was our senator at the time. Um, and that was something that my mom had discovered initially around my, my college years. And she was like, you should try this. Yeah. And that gave me a different perspective of of what I wanted to do with my life mm-hmm. and, and government. And I never had given it a thought, but like being on the front lines and helping constituents out and listening to their concerns yeah. try and, and making a difference, mm-hmm. that to me was like the spark. Yeah. Then, then that led me as through my college career, still graduated with a political science major, yeah. but had more of a trajectory within the world of government. So started taking more government-based classes mm-hmm. and figuring out hmm, what can I do with this and Mm -hmm. how can I be involved in my own government? Yeah. So it it inspired you to to shift perspectives and get on the front lines. Now, would you consider yourself a person that um, at that time, were you comfortable with public speaking? Did you like to talk? And, and be on the front lines in that way? No, I mean, I was the kid in school who always got that comment on a report card. She needs to participate more in class. <laughs> she needs to speak up a little bit more. So I was, I, I don't think I was ever destined mm. for, for the world that I work in. I think a lot of that growth came at my time in the city clerk's office. Yeah. Because that's such a public-facing department. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're really on the front lines of a lot of, it's a lot of navigating. It's a lot of service-based yeah. um, tasks and activities. And so that really sort of um, pushed my abilities and grew them mm-hmm. um, more than I thought that I would ever be. I just thought I'd be that person working in the office, doing my thing, but it's definitely public-facing. And, and the more I did it, the more I became comfortable with it yeah. and then grew from grew from there. So let's backtrack a little bit to your, you you graduate from Westfield. Now, you're a young professional at the time. You you have the choice. I mean, obviously, you chose Pittsfield. You chose to come back. But you had um, a choice to make, and you chose to come back to the, the city that you grew up in. Why? I think for me, going away to college was a, was a great experience. Um, I did commute um, for the, the most part of that. So I was still, you know, living here um, within the community, mm-hmm. um, but attending classes out, out at Westfield. Um, and I, I guess I never really thought otherwise. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to take what I was learning and what I was experiencing back to my hometown mm-hmm. and, and really seeing what opportunities were here for me. Mm-hmm. And so senior year of college, I, I, you know, was in that mode of what am I going to do next? Mm-hmm. And so really looked for those opportunities. And that's when I found one. Um, I remember it clearly. How did you find it? It was the week of finals. I received an interview for mm-hmm. the my position in the conservation department so it was like week of final so I was going back and forth but found time for the interview and and got the job shortly thereafter now was it strategic on your part to line up a job right right after graduation absolutely okay. I, I didn't want that sort of in between so it was like months before graduation yep. that I started looking and figuring out sort of the du- direction I wanted to see go. that's what I did too when I was leaving college I said I'm not leaving college with all this debt mm-hmm. and no job right lots so of responsibility. lots of responsibility and you can't try looking for a job after you have that cap and gown and you return it mm-hmm. and then you're like okay you have 
there's no job. Like that has to start. You have to backward plan. Um, so you were very diligent and strategic in lining up that opportunity. So going into, you know, right out of college into city government, were your eyes just like wide open? I think they were. I think it was a lot of I, I didn't ever have the assumption that I was going to go into a position and mm-hmm. be like the the leader automatically right away. Mm-hmm. I knew I had to work my way up, mm-hmm. um, and that's just a little bit of my style. Yeah. I, I don't go in thinking that I'm. I know everything. There's always opportunities for for me to learn. Yeah, and so I, I really took that job, and you know I met a lot of great people within the. Um, it fell under the community development department. Mm-hmm. Um, have made a lot of great connections there in community development. They touch upon everything from housing to new projects to building and zoning. Mm-hmm. It, it's really all-encompassing in, in one of our go-to departments within City Hall and in the world of, of conservation. I didn't have a background in environment or or anything like that, but I learned a lot of the permitting and, um, you know, the regulatory mm-hmm. nature of of what that department does and handles. What were some of the resources that helped acclimate you to city government? I think one of the greatest resources was there were a few people within the department that I would consider sort of mentors and sort of my go-to people. They could walk me through step by step. If I had a question on something, they they were there to help me and guide me and sort of say, this is how you do it. And so those were things that I learned and picked up along the way. All right. So... You're in conservation. At some point, you make the shift Mm -hmm. to the city clerk's and Registrar of Voters Office. Now, was this something that you were like, okay, I'm ready to learn more and I'm ready to make this transition? Absolutely. I, I think it was one of those things where I was looking for a, a little bit more. I mm-hmm. put um, uh, some time within in the conservation department and I also am an, an observer of people mm-hmm. and, and things. Um, so w- when I learned more about what the city clerk's office does, I said, hmm, and there was an opportunity um, for an opening that mm-hmm. came within the department. And I said, why don't I try? Yeah. And you, you never know if, right. if you don't give it a go. So <laughs> I, I, I filled out the application, submitted it, mm-hmm. was lucky to get an interview and then secure secure the job. And I spent some great, great years over there. And I just, uh, in that role, I love elections. I am the government geek mm-hmm. 101. Um, I, I love every aspect of what the office does and um, mm-hmm. is in, you know, elections to me is like where my happy place is. Right. So I think also providing access to to government for yeah. people is also very important. To now, me. was that something that was nurtured once you got into city government and you learned about the process? Or did you feel like you always had this innate love of government and policy? I think it's in, in my nature. Like, I am a natural helper. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always one to say, what can I do to mm-hmm. be a part of the team, to help the team, to, to achieve that goal? So I think working in that department, it balanced that out. Yeah. It, it complemented that nicely um, because I was able, people c- would come in with a question and even if it wasn't our department, yeah. I could, with the with the knowledge I was uh, learning along the way, yeah. I was able to help them navigate to, okay, you're coming in with this request, you should 
talk to this department. Here's your contact person for mm-hmm. over there. So that way they felt like, okay, they were being listened to, but also gathering the information that they needed. So not only did you um, create this, you know, you were involved in this world, um, but you actually had the opportunity to observe recognize the need, and then create something. So tell the listeners a little bit about um, an initiative called Be a Voter. Um, Absolutely. The Be a Voter campaign was something that um, Mayor Tyre was city clerk at the time. And um, we are both very similar in our passion for civic engagement and getting people involved in their government. And I think the idea behind Be a Voter was the fact of we, you know, if I'm describing myself to a person, I'm saying I'm a daughter, a sister, a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are all these traits that I would use to, to describe myself um, in my affiliations that I have. Mm-hmm. And to me, voting is like I'm there no matter if it's a primary, a special election, yeah. a regular election. I'm there because I understand how important that is. Yeah. And I... A part of this campaign was to have other people understand the importance. Mm. I know voting wasn't accessible for everybody at all aspects of of our history. And there's still work to be done on on voting rights and access. But I think making voting a part of who you are Mm -hmm. in being a voter um, is a message that we were trying to convey to the public and making it not only just something that you do, but a part of who you are. Right. Because I think there was... The, the thought that people came out when there was sort of the, the major, like a presidential election, but in the year, during the years where maybe that wasn't the case, that you, you would see turnout um, dip. And the thing is that, I mean, if people would realize that really the, it, it's so important to really take notice of your local elections, that's where it matters. Yes, indeed, it we always explain it like when I'm talking to people mm-hmm. and in having these sort of conversations, I say, you know, yes, it's important to vote for president. Yes, it's important to vote for for your senators and, and representatives in Congress. Mm-hmm. But they're not impacting the day to day operations that right. all, a lot of that work and, and what we see when when we travel throughout this community happens at that local level. Right. Yes, there's a lot of partnerships we have with state and local um, and federal government mm-hmm. leaders. But a lot of those like what's happening in your school system, right. you know, that that. It's the responsibility of the school committee. What is, you know, say you want to start a new business. You're not calling the president asking <laughs> him what those opportunities are to start right. that new business. Right. That happens at the local level right. and, and with government. Um, so it's important to not forget those elections mm-hmm. um, because, you know, we always see turnout go up every four years. Yeah. And, and it's great to see that. But I want turnout to be that high, if not higher, in every election. <clears throat> Absolutely. I think, you know, as a naturalized citizen, for me, um, the power of the vote is so, it's just, it's so important. And I look at it like a sacred right. Um, I remember every time it's time to vote, I would always bring my children with me because, you know, um, even though they're born here, they're, you know, American citizens um, by birth. I want them to understand that this is a um, it's a sacred right. It's a privilege and you should never, ever, ever take it for granted. And so um, I think that 
that it's an awesome thing to, to lift it up. Do you think that the campaign um, was able to do what it needed to do? I think it did at the time because, you know, we had taken, um, we had made like a banner. We participated in Third Thursdays at the time to try to get people to sign a pledge to make voting a part of who they are. And then we um, had those um, pledges Mm -hmm. hanging up at City Hall um, just to show people that, hey, look, they're all committed to to being a voter. Um, So I think you know, I would love to see some resurgence yeah. of, of that campaign and, and getting that back on, on track. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it, it did what it intended to do at the time. Well, speaking of campaigns and initiatives, when we think about the whole Be a Voter um you know, project, I almost think that it laid the groundwork for something that we know today as, well, it's a different initiative, let me just say that, but it's a program that you implemented, and it's called Citizens Academy. And so (laughs) Citizens Academy is a, uh, for those who don't know, it's a free 10-week session designed to teach residents about the inner workings of local government. And it was implemented um, in 2018. And Catherine brought it to the city of Pittsfield um, and um, oversees this initiative. And so, Catherine, tell us a little bit about it and why it was important to um, to bring it here. I would love to talk about Citizens Academy. Of course Any you would. Any chance I get to talk about <laughs> Citizens Academy, I'm in. Um, so Citizens Academy was inspired by an idea um, We have, um, as municipal officials, um, we have conferences that happen on an annual basis, um, usually take place out in Boston through the Massachusetts Municipal Association. And one of the workshops that they were planning um, some some years ago was about civic engagement and different ways to connect with your community. And I was like, that sounds like it has my name on it. So with the support of the mayor, I was able to attend that conference and attend that session. And with that, they were talking about the Citizens Academy. And I was like, wait a minute. Why haven't we had one of these in Pittsfield? Why are we missing out? <laughs> and so I took those what I learned from there and then through some follow-up conversations with some of those communities who implemented these types of programs, took the the what I learned from from them and figured out what worked best for us as a community and said, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And the mayor was 110% behind board. Um, so is the, the founder and, and creator and project um, <laughs> coordinator. Yes. Um, I have led three classes yes. of the Citizens Academy, 54 yeah. participants wow. um, over that period of time have participated, really getting firsthand exposure mm-hmm. to government. I mean, we take them so, all. So who are, who are some of these participants? Are these people who are newcomers to the city? Are these people who have lived here all the their lives. Tell us a little bit about them. Um, sure. For the last most recent class, we yeah. had some people who had moved into our community mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Um, we had some lifelong residents. Um, we have some people who work in the community hmm. who are trying to learn more about it. So it was a really great representation, I felt like, from a great spectrum mm-hmm. of people both new um, and older who, who have been here. Um, so I think it gives a great dynamic to the class yeah. because you have people who are eager. First of all, it amazes me that people want to spend 10 weeks of their time 
learning about city it's government. It's a commitment. It definitely is a commitment. <clears throat> yeah. But that there are other people out there who who want to just mm-hmm. learn more, and even if they just walk away a little bit more informed. Yeah. To me, that's mission accomplished. Right. To, to me, that's like okay, they're just a little bit more informed of why we do things and and how we get to those decisions. So sometimes people come into programs like that and they have a preconceived notion. Have you been able to hear from some of the participants who say, you know, I thought the city was X, Y, and Z, but now after going through Citizens Academy, I think it's more like whatever. Do you have any kind of anecdote or, you know, participant feedback that you could share? Uh, Yes. Um, I think, you know, we try to give them exposure to a lot of different uh, city departments. Mm -hmm. So everything from the airport to public services to community development to the city clerk's office, um, we really try to give them a short amount of time Mm -hmm. to cover all of that, all of that ground. But I think sometimes there are some some notions that they come in with where they actually get to talk to that department head mm-hmm. or staff person and they're like, oh, I didn't realize that that's how you plan yeah. or that this is how you accomplish something or that this is how I get my issue addressed. Right. They're really getting that direct resource to say, I now know yeah. how to help others and help myself to, to get these things accomplished that I'm looking to take care of. Why do you think that there is this roadblock um, to to folks um, maybe feeling like they don't they, they don't know how to access their local government or these challenges because we hear it all the time. Um, have the participants shared what they thought were some of their concerns in terms of access access in government? I think sometimes it's due to like prior experiences, whether that be here locally or maybe through um, somewhere else Mm -hmm. that they've lived. Sometimes government has this sort of reputation of being the big thing that you can't necessarily beat. Mm -hmm. And in a part of my work that I commit to every day is to try to break down those barriers, try to make it more accessible and do everything in my power to help people navigate. Like I might not have the answer right now, um, but I can either do some research and get back to you or help connect you to the person who has some expertise in that field. And I think what sometimes gets lost is that the people who work in government, Mm -hmm. You know, public services is is sometimes (laughs) tough and challenging. We we don't do it for, you know, to to be, you know, the we we do it for the sake of you do it for your because you care. We do it because you care. You don't get into public service for the sake of trying trying to make it. Right. You know, you're not. You shouldn't be looking at it right. from what what can I get from this? You should be looking at it from how can I help others? Absolutely. And and I think that's the attitude that um, you know I have in in the role. And I think sometimes you know people have particular interactions with government mm-hmm. that may not go well, mm-hmm. and sometimes that. Um, narrates it for them going forward. Right. So I think breaking down some of those barriers and two, also having the ability to ask questions mm. helps them understand. I feel sometimes people don't think that they have the ability to ask questions right. or, um, you know, figure out answers. Yeah. And so it kind of when when there's a lack of information or, mm-hmm. or blank space, they just fill it in right. without giving, you know, having that opportunity to be able to actually know how something um, has come to be or how right. they can be helped. Well, you're absolutely right, Catherine, because government, I like to say, becomes 
for some, an amorphous blob that <clears throat> is just government, right? And it's faceless, it's nameless, and government is just looming. And the reality is, is that government is comprised, whether it's on, you know, local, state, federal level, government at each level is comprised of people, it's not the blob. It actually, there are like human beings working in government um, and, and people do care. And, you know, and I think that's so important because, you know, um, <clears throat> people will definitely, um, they, you, you're absolutely right when they, they come to, um, to an issue with preconceived notions and they bring that with them and they're expecting sometimes a certain response. And I've seen you at work and you have a way of diffusing that and you just come back again to how can I help you? How can I help you? All right. What's the issue? And and I think that kind of response helps to center the conversation. And listen, not everyone not everyone responds to that. And I think sometimes you have to be okay with saying, I've done everything that I can. I've given you all the information. I've given you the resources. I don't I don't think I can help you anymore because I've given you all the tools. And those cases happen. But for the majority of the cases, people welcome those opportunities where they're able to get information. And so you work hard at that. It's interesting, the whole dynamic of Citizens Academy and access to government and learning about government. And you would think that it would be like a total no-brainer. But I was looking it up, and I remember that um, you had you were quoted in, I want to say, it was a Greenfield recorder, and you were quoted back in 2018, and they knew that you had implemented the program in the city of Pittsville, and they wanted to implement a similar program in Conway. And so when I read through that article, I was surprised that there was pushback from some of the elected officials. And again, to the point about access, you know, we assume that access is universal and across the board. But we realized that the fact that there was pushback against a program like Citizens Academy, which really offers, you know, insight, it makes you realize that access is not something that you have to take for granted. Access is something that has to be intentional and it has to be worked on every day. And I think that's something that we do here, um, you know, in in the city. Um, So that was surprising. But hopefully I haven't checked in with Conway to see if they have implemented their program. But hopefully, um, you know, maybe they've come to some kind kind of resolution. Now we're going into we have all three years, you know, under our belt having this program. Um one what are what's your future goal for the program? I mean, do you see it evolving in any way? I think there's a lot of directions um, that Citizens Academy, obviously, I want to still support Mm -hmm. and continue on the program. Um, Hopefully, we'll be gearing up for a launch later this summer, Mm -hmm. um, early this fall. I also see it evolving. I would love to transition it to sort of that high school, junior, senior, Mm -hmm. because I feel like there's a lot of great, uh, I think, is is having an experience of, of going through school. I think there are some sort of life skills, like, you know, you should be registered to vote, mm-hmm. uh, you know, before you leave high school. You should be um, understanding how you get in touch with your elected officials, who your elected officials are. Um, you should walk away with that with that knowledge and mm-hmm. experience. So I do have some, 
some things in the works uh-huh. um, to potentially <coughs> expand this program within the, the school system mm-hmm. in some fashion in the future. Okay. Um, so All right. We'll see. I see you're holding things close to the vest. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, But I guess we know that Citizens Academy will have um, an evolution of sorts. So I guess we have to just stay tuned. All right. That's all great. Um, BLP. So BLP is pretty big. I mean, I was just doing some research on it. I, I have not gone through BLP, but BLP is a who's who. And you are a part of the class of 2014. Was this something that, I mean, you just knew you had to be a part of? I mean, in addition to your professional work, you're in the midst of government. Um, Did you see this as a great supplement to your professional career? So the Berkshire Leadership Program uh, was an opportunity that came up during my time at the city clerk's Mm -hmm. office. And throughout my career, I have always had people within my life who say, "Mm, this kind of has your name all over Mm -hmm. it. And so through my my work mentors, um, it was that little bit of nudge to say, this is an opportunity that that you should explore. So I looked into it, applied, was able to join the class of 2014. And it's just one of those experiences where I got to connect with, you know, future potential leaders yeah. who had an interest in me as a as a resident of Pittsfield for for all of my life I learned things through that program about my community that yeah. I may have not have ever known um, I mean especially too sometimes we get so stuck in our mm-hmm. in our own sort of spaces you know we go into work we you know d- do our things mm-hmm. um, sometimes we don't kind of get outside of that yeah. that space and so Berkshire leadership um, taught me so much and two it's so great because you get to hear from local leaders mm-hmm. who you may not ever have the chance to to get to know and we visited all over you know top to bottom of the county mm-hmm. um and really got to spend some time in the our great surrounding communities and in learning all, all about them so you were also quoted as saying that um blp helped you to step outside your personal comfort zone so how how so I think for me, I'm the type of person who um, is always, like, supportive of others and and encouraging others. And so sometimes for me, it's not always something that I'm like, oh, yes, I should be doing this. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I need that person to be like, hey, you should be doing this. Mm -hmm. And to me, I'm like, oh, I should be. (laughs) So I think, too, it was, you know, we we can all tend to get stuck in sort of Mm -hmm. our you know, traditional ways of, you know, no, I'm going into work. I have this going on. I have that going on. Sometimes we don't want to push ourselves mm-hmm. to, to grow. At least I don't to, yeah. to grow a little bit more. Um, I mean, I'm always curious and always trying, trying to learn. Um, but sometimes I think, well, maybe this isn't the right opportunity for yeah. me. But sometimes I don't know unless I unless <clears throat> I give it a try. Right. And I did that with Berkshire Leader. And so happy that I was able to be a part of it. So not only were you a part of it, but then you were able to move into leadership you know, roles and talk about growth. I mean, from stepping outside your comfort zone to assuming leadership positions. I mean, was that something that you were like, I am, again, did you have those voices in your ear saying you can do this? Or did you say, I am ready? I think it was more of I am ready. I think going through the program, I really learned a lot and in a way wanted to give back Mm -hmm. to the program and further develop it. Um, 
the interesting thing about the Berkshire Leadership Program, it is mainly, um, you know, coordinated by the steering committee. Um, so it's really a working body who plans the speakers, gets the location all set and mm-hmm. ready to go, and really plans that content. And so I wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. And, you know, with, with the topics that, that we cover, there were areas of interest to me and, and that I had a network in that I wanted to offer. So by having those connections, it, yeah. it worked for securing those speakers. And I just wanted to, it was in my mind a way that I could give back and have the program continue growing um, in a different way. Excellent. All right. So in addition to BLP, um, and you're no longer, you have now, you have finished your appointment and you um, you actually are a member of some other boards, um, Berkshire Business and Professional Women. You are a part of, of that board, um, so you're doing good work there. And you and, and that's a working board as well. And we're actually on the board together. <laughs> uh, so um, that's a working board, and so um, the work continues. And you do serve in that capacity. I want to say, Catherine, you're secretary, right? So Correct. again, um, you are able to um, take some of those skills from BLP and and utilize it there. But again, the per- the political realm, again, you find a way to continue that work. And so outside of City Hall, I mean, you are supremely active with you know the Ward Six um, Democratic Committee, um, and you're a member of the Berkshire Democratic Brigade Steering Committee. So again, for like those of us who are not part of committees like this, what is this work like and like what do you do? Sure. So as chair of the Ward 6 Democratic Committee, um, every year there is a, um, a caucus that is held. And so, for example, this year, um, the, the caucus selected the delegates who delegates who would attend the convention mm-hmm. and is a part of it's a part of the um sort of voting process like the the a person running for statewide office not only has to obtain enough signatures to make it onto the ballot but they also have to gain a particular percentage of the delegation in order to move forward um, with with their campaign there's a lot of thresholds that have to be met um, so being a delegate to the convention is important because your your voice is being heard mm-hmm. and you have to decide okay who who are you standing behind who are you supporting you know as a candidate and who do you want to see wow. m- move forward and then obviously it turns over into the voting voters hands after um, and and they get to decide at the end of the day but it, it's part of that sort of government process mm-hmm. um, and each party operates a little bit um, differently I can only speak to the um, to the Democrat party um, but being the chair of our caucus is to try to keep people engaged here at the local level as well as when it time to mm-hmm. elect delegates for convention um, we have some um, ways for people to get involved in that wow and 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 so your path to chair did you ever think that you would be chair of this committee no. like how how did that happen <laughs> no um our our committee at the time um w- was small and again it was just one of those opportunities that i said I don't know what this is about, but I think it's something I want to maybe be involved in. So I showed up years ago to a, um, a caucus that was held, and with some of the members who existed, they're like, 
she's young. She'll go to the convention. We've done this. We've been there, done that. Yeah. But, like, we see your energy. Right. We want to capture that energy. And you can go. And so I was like, that's easy? That's all I have to do? Sure. <laughs> so it was It was just a great, again, a, a new experience. Yeah. Um, and then it was sort of that t- I was just kind of at the right place at the right time. And mm-hmm. they're like, we're ready to sort of. Um, turn, um, you know, the page and, and hand over to, to some some new people. Yeah. So then um, I was elected uh, f- chair for our uh, for our ward. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Um, so you are a busy woman. <laughs> a little bit. You are a busy woman. <laughs> All right. So, you know, um, and and you're active in your church. Yes. So you are a member of St. Joseph Church and 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 Aren't you elected to like some type of position there too? I am. I currently serve as the secretary to the, to the parish council, um, and I've been in that role for for a few years now. See, there you go. So, I mean, you stay busy whether you're in the office or outside of the office. You are busy. Well, one of the things that um, folks may not always know about, like our office, it's pretty small. I mean, so you come into City Hall and in the mayor's office, so it's the mayor. Mayor tires there. But then there's only two of us. (laughs) (laughs) Some people think it's more, but it's not. It's just us. And... You know, one of the the beauty, the um, the beautiful things about being in um, a, a setting like that is that you you have the opportunity to have really insightful um, conversations. And Catherine and I, we have we every day we have um, conversations informally. Always seems like just about different things. We've been able to talk about um, issues of race and gender, things going on um, in the world. I mean, obviously we're in the world of politics, so we talk about that but then we're also able to make connections to bigger things and I know for me um, I have valued these discussions because I've been able to learn things that I did not know before and even when we've had times where we have different views on things we've always been able to um, to to have these conversations in a respectful manner where we learn from one another. Um, How have you, you know, in thinking about these kind of conversations, what are some of the thoughts that you've had about them? So throughout our time in the mayor's office, I I have so valued our friendship and and how it has grown over over these years. And I think one of my observations of of our friendship um, in in these conversations that we have is that we both have a willingness to learn Mm -hmm. and and a willingness to listen. I think listening is a huge part of a conversation. And two, you have to have some willingness to kind of take off your own perspective and try to put yourself in another's perspective. I I think that is super important. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's not easy because, you know, we all come to the come to a place from very different places and very different experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think that some in my work, sometimes when when people come in and they're like at a 10. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, I know you're at a 10 and I know your frustration's not on me. But you also have to come down. Right. You, you got to, like, I have to kind of just take a moment to breathe. Right. I have to get them to breathe mm-hmm. so that way I can really, truly understand the the point of the issue right. and, and what they're trying to um, accomplish. Right. So I think sometimes, you know, 
I think the the way that I, I grew up and, and how I view the world and, and view others, um, it allows me that space to say, look, it, they might have yeah. five other things happening in their lives mm-hmm. right now. And this could just be that last thing that sort of pushed them to this point. Exactly. So let's pause. Let's try to have an understanding of that. Let's try to get on a on a even surface here to say, okay, I understand you're here mm-hmm. and I'm here, but let's try to work this out and work together. And, Absolutely. And I think it takes patience and persistence and, um, you know, having an understanding and, and giving people um, space. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, to the point about what you said about like respect, you know, that, 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 that um, element of respect is so key. Um, and the different perspectives, not only that, n- not only the ones that we may sometimes have, but like when people come into the office and, you know, people have perspectives from so many, I mean, it runs the gamut. Yes. And it, I think the the baseline of all our interactions is consistently that of respect. I think one of the things no one can ever accuse us of not being respectful um, because uh, that is that is that is key and it's cornerstone um, just to how we interact and you know one of the things that you know in in our conversations you know apart from the people that come into the office but just um, you know our conversations I always tell you that I said you know in the future, down wherever you go, like in the future, you know, it's um, when we think about how we have an impact on the world. I always say it starts with those conversations. It starts with um, coming out of our comfort zone and learning about different people, learning about different perspectives. And we make an impact of our sphere of influence, you know, and I have no doubt, Catherine, <laughs> that um, you are going to be in some leadership position. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. I, I have no doubt about that. And what I've always said to you is that always remember those key tenants, always remember the, that baseline, always remember those things that um, that you have experienced and that you know in terms of just engaging with people because that will continue to serve you well, you know, as you continue to ascend in your professional career. Um so one of the things that I know is that, one, you're a busy person in and outside of the office, but you still make time for a special place, <laughs> and it begins with a capital D. <sighs> okay. And that might be a hint for some of our listeners who also know this magical place that begins with a D. But Catherine, please tell us where you and your family like to go every year. Disney World. Uh, we're, Disney we're, World. We're big Disney fans. <laughs> um, it's it's. You would think working in in public service that I would run completely away from the public mm-hmm. <laughs> when I go on vacation. But I just love like the experience of, of what we have down there. We stay at new places. Um, we get to try new things. They're always building something new, new rides, new attractions, new shows. Um, it's just a really great getaway. I think I have the ins and outs of it pretty well secured um, and would love to talk to anybody about so. <laughs> Oh, all right. A trip. So listen here. The last time I've been to Disney World. Okay, the one in Florida is Disney World, right? Okay. I always get it confused. So the last time I went to Disney World, I was nine, okay? And <laughs> we're talking the 80s. And 
to give you context of when I went to Disney World, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids just came out and my brother and I got selected to ride on the mechanical bee behind and behind us was a green screen and we were told to scream our heads off. And we did. Um, so that was the last time I went to Disney. You got to go back. I, but, I'm, but I'm so OK. So I, I'm one of those individuals that I'm overwhelmed by the whole process. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Do I go on like orbit and like try no, to no, plan no, out no, my no, trip? No. I don't know. Where, where do I go? Help. I think the help of uh, a, a travel professional yeah. into like once you understand like um, like have a sense of you got to do your research you got to understand like if you're a person who loves roller coasters like there's some great roller coasters but Uh if you're a person who likes to be a little bit more laid back and relaxed there are things to do for that or even if you just wanted to you know chill at your resort you can do that the resort is an experience in itself so how do you get started okay you're like you're an aficionado (laughs) i know you have the experience in your brain Catherine. but for the folks like myself who i'm i said okay family we want to go to disney what should i do should i just like write down the itinerary should i go somewhere what are some insider tips um videos online okay because there are so many people who do this for a living um, whether they're travel professionals or just a a vlogger Mm -hmm. that you can learn every aspect of like how to plan a trip to the best way to um you know the best dining that you would want to be a part of or the best experiences so so you get to see firsthand uh-huh. like what they're experiencing um, or what they recommend and then you can take that and say okay this works for my family and so this is how you know I've learned a lot of tips and tricks by you know huh. reading through some some blogs or watching some blogs um, and you know seeing firsthand like okay how do they navigate you know Disney can all be planned in an app um, really yes what There's an app for that. There's always an app for that. Uh So you can plan a lot of things. But two, um, if you're a person who likes flexibility, you don't you you can create that really in in, in your in your trip. Should I get the app? So let's say I want to plan a Disney trip. Mm -hmm. Should I get the app and and use that as my my framework? Yeah, there's a lot of great resources. I mean, you have maps, you have, um, you know, you can see all the places. This is this is why I'm getting overwhelmed right now. The maps, the app, the <laughs> the videos it's a it's a bit much once you understand it um it's really a lot of fun i mean i love to plan so it's definitely within my wheelhouse i love that that mm-hmm. to me is almost just as exciting as <laughs> the anticipation of the trip <laughs> is is the planning part of it yeah. because i love just putting that all together um it's just in my nature but it's so much fun. Okay, so I believe there might be a Disney trip in the works for 2022. Maybe. 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 Okay, and if, if that were the case, um, are there any things that would be on the must-see list? Oh, must-see list. Mm-hmm. There are some new attractions in Hollywood Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, for any of the Star Wars fans who might be listening, there are a lot of great um, huh. new places down there that bring you into that world. So ah. something to look forward to. I you know, I, I have to say that prior to just our conversations about Disney, I would never have thought about going because, like, in my mind, I thought, oh, that's just for, like, little kids. And then even when my kids were little, I was like, oh, it's just a lot. <laughs> Misrepresentation. <laughs> but I, you're, you're absolutely <laughs> right. There are 
hardcore Disney adults. <laughs> and we have some also at City Hall, too. We do. We, we do, do um, because I hear them talking with you. <laughs> um, but you're, you're absolutely right. I am inspired to um, actually think about this as a trip. And... And I am. Uh, I have to say, it does feel a little bit overwhelming because there's so much, I think, from a sensory level. There's just like, okay, what am I looking at? There's so many different studios and so many different things. But I am inspired to um, to plan something. And so... I'll help you. I Yes, I have a built-in resource. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you all set up. Well, thank you very much. Um, and, you know, there was one thing I, I thought about as we were talking, and I, and I, and I want to also just... Um, clarify you know I said as you move into leadership roles and I just want to say I believe that you are in a leadership role okay so I I thought about that and I was like mm, I just want to make that really clear because we you are a leader in 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 the work that you do and you know I sometimes there are terms out there that all these outdated terms for the work that we do and people have these ideas and I'm like if you only knew this woman <laughs> is she is on it and so you are a leader in what you do and as you continue to um, ascend the leadership ranks and move on to different forms of leadership that um, I think that's the proper clarification so I just you're very welcome I just wanted to make that known all right, so we are coming down to the wire. We have about um, six minutes left, but I want to know who or what inspires you to keep going. <sighs> what inspires me to keep going? <sighs> so many things. Um, I think first and foremost, um, my parents sort of instilled these values in me of that you have to work hard to achieve your goals. They're not just going to be handed to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the importance of of taking what you know and what you've learned and what you've gained and giving that back to the community. Mm -hmm. They were always involved in different, you know, whether it be through church or or other groups, um, always finding ways or through schools, always finding ways to just donate a bit of their time. And I think the donation of time, if if you're not a person who, you know, has a whole lot or don't feel like you have a whole lot, Mm -hmm. your time is is very precious. And if if you have it in your heart and, and if in in your ability to to donate your time um, to others or organizations that you're passionate about, do it mm-hmm. because that means so much. Right. And you know, you, you may think you're you're not um, giving um, a whole lot, but that time is is precious. And and when you dedicate yeah. your yourself to to an organization or mm-hmm. a cause, yeah. um, and, and and you're you're giving your all to that, that that's huge. And yeah. it's really making a difference. And and that sort of you know making a difference. And just even if it's a little thing, yeah. if it's just something small that we accomplished today, to me that's like. Like, okay, yeah. we did this yes. one thing today, and <laughs> and and those are our moments that keep keep me going. And sometimes you have to hang on to that one thing, especially if you've had quite the day. That one thing is that thing that makes your heart sing and smile and say, all right, everything else may have not gone the way I thought it would, but that one thing keeps you going. And you said something really key about time. Time is a commodity. Time, you know, especially as you're coming up, you know, as a young professional for young professionals out there, they may like your to your point, they may not think that they have something to offer. They may not have maybe the um, maybe they don't have that the funds to maybe donate or do different things. But your time and your expertise is so valuable. 
And I just point to that instance when you were at the Democratic Committee and those, um, the older members looked around and said, okay, she has given up her time and her energy. Mm -hmm. So they took your time and your energy and they viewed it as assets. Mm -hmm. And so it's thinking about not what we have to give that equates to what we have in our wallet, but what we have in our mental, our social resources. And that is huge. And that's what I think that, um, you know, um, young professionals need to understand that mm -mm, it's it's not about what's in the wallet, although that helps too. (laughs) But... But it's about what you can do with what you have. Don't keep looking for what is going to be. Start with what you have. And that is enough. Um, All right. So we're winding down to about three minutes. So if you had to choose one word to describe yourself, what would it be? For me, it would be empathetic. I am a, a person who feels others' feelings. Yeah. I um, also try to relate to others yeah. and, and understand from from their perspectives and, and viewpoint. So I'm a person who wears her emotions on her sleeve. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I definitely think um, empathy mm-hmm. um, and being empathetic is, is something that fits me pretty well. I would agree. Um, you um, definitely are empathetic. And I think in our culture, sometimes, you know, we're toughened, you know, by experience, by life. Life can beat you down. Situations can beat you down. And so that gives us a tough exterior sometimes. And I think there's something to be said for being vulnerable. There's something to be said for allowing ourselves to feel um, to feel is to be human and to experience life in all its stages um, and phases and realms. And we should never allow ourselves to stop feeling. Um, and so kudos to you uh, for uh, for feeling and embracing that um that that aspect of yourself because it's something that um sometimes society will say toughen it up don't Mm -hmm. you know don't don't cry and don't you know and all of this hold it together Mm -hmm. and we've had conversations about this where sometimes we should be okay to say i'm not okay right i'm not okay and maybe i just need a moment Mm -hmm. and we need to give ourselves that grace you know so that we can be our full selves Mm -hmm. if we're always together if we always say i have it i'm okay i'm okay i'm okay there's something wrong because we're not robots. No. And we're not always going to have it. We have feelings. We, we have do. emotions. It's all a part of who we are as people. Absolutely. And I think we have to own it. Yes. So, Catherine Van Bramer, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it has been... Um, an absolute pleasure. You know, like I said, you're you're not only my colleague, you're a work sister, you're a friend, um, and I so value you. And I'm so glad that you agreed to be a guest on Backstory, assuming a different seat <laughs> than the one you assumed in the very, very early days of the show. Um, thank you for coming back and sharing a little bit about your professional journey um, and letting our listeners know um, who you are. And so, everyone, I just want to thank you again for tuning in. Uh, to Backstory. Um, let's hear it on WTBRFM Pittsfield. You've been listening um, to the show and I am Roberta McCulloch-Dews of the Mayor's Office and I just want to thank you and have a great day. 